0: Did you almost admit that you're watching YouTube while you're driving down the street? Or? Well, no i i uh, i don't I don't look
1: at it because, like I said, sure, it's, sure. it's just it's just podcasts, uh-huh, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've I've quit. I've totally quit texting while driving because I can't. I can't <laughs> not drive into the ditch, right? You
2: know, I just can't. I'm I'm still surprised at the number of people that I see driving with their phone. I mean, it's like, they must have a remote control on their phone, because that's the only thing they're holding on
1: (laughs) to. Right. Right. What are you doing? Yeah, you're driving down the interstate, and you look over, and somebody's got their phone like this while they're passing you at 85 (laughs) miles an hour.
0: Or you look really smart when you're sitting at a green light with your head down with people behind you. You (laughs) You're wondering wondering if you're looking at the gas pedal or what. (laughs) Did
2: I just wet myself?
0: (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Welcome to episode two of Avek I.O. In this episode we continue our conversation with Steve Capon of Harvest, Heating and Air Conditioning, and Derek Guam of Avec Design Build.
2: I'd say we can just open the pipe back up and say, okay, we've briefly touched on humidification and dehumidification. Now let's get into it under your terms
1: or how, you know. Right. Sure. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, we were in in the discussion about humidity, we were talking where I said in the basement, as long as it communicates freely, you know, there's an open stairway Mm -hmm. or doors with huge cracks at the bottom where air can communicate there is no way to contain humidity it's moving at between 25 and 50 feet per second driven by vapor pressure so that's why the moisture content in the basement is the same as on the main floor and the only need to ameliorate that clammy feeling in the basement is to warm it up a little bit so you can't stop its migration i can put the humidifier on one side of a one side of a hundred foot long building add the moisture increase the moisture content and within you know within two minutes that moisture is diffused all the way to the other side of the, the the building so the idea being when we talked about uh relative humidity and dew point those are the things that we're sensitive to so uh, it suppresses the more humidity in the air. It suppresses the rate of evaporation. And that's why you get so uncomfortable, so much more uncomfortable if it's 85 degrees in Mississippi than if you are out in 85 degree air in Arizona. right? A, the difference is night and day. Mm-hmm. Because it's so dry in Arizona, you're going to evaporate off any moisture that's produced on your skin. It's going to evaporate immediately, producing a cooling effect And in Mississippi, it's so completely inhibited that you just begin to sweat, flop sweat, you know, like somebody threw a bucket of water on you, right? (laughs) Where it's just obscenely humid. There's no evaporation going on. So your body's trying to cool you off by adding more and more, more and more moisture. And we talk about in the summertime, because they are two different creatures, you know, the humidity concerns for summer is dehumidification at this latitude. We get moisture from the Gulf coming up, and probably the last six or seven summers, we have experienced subtropical humidity where the humidity levels have been higher Mm -hmm. than in the previous two decades, where it's just absolutely stiflingly humid outside. Okay. So getting the moisture pulled out in typical summertime at the temperatures that we had spoken about a rough, a rough, uh, Humidity gradient for human comfort is going to be anywhere from 30 to 60 percent in the summer We try to we we nail that down to uh, 40 to 60 percent so within your home We're going to try to maintain the humidity level via the air conditioner between 40 and 60 percent humidity Sixties pushing it. Okay. Most systems are going to operate somewhere around 50 percent relative humidity Mm -hmm. So the furniture- Or should. Or they, should. They, they that's, not that's be. Correct. That's, that's correct. That's, and, you, and the other thing, too, is I'm, I'm going to backtrack a little bit about- We had talked about sizing the equipment when we do a load calculation. The way that's done, it's dependent on uh, what we'd call a design difference, okay, which is a delta T- so, T I is want temperature. T is temperature. That's correct. So, when it's 95 degrees outside in your house, this is for Iowa for our latitude. When it's 95 degrees outside, I want to be able to maintain 75 degrees in your house. Okay. So, we're typically purchasing the equipment that's in half ton increments. So, that's 12,000 BTUs is a ton. Mm. So, I can get a two, I can get a two and a half, I can get a three, I can get a three and a half, four, then five. Okay, and some manufacturers are even eliminating the, the intermediate sizing. So it's two, three, four, five tons. Typical residential sized equipment. Well, we're buying in twelve thousand BTU increments. I'm not a risk taker, so I'm always going to jump to the next biggest machine if I'm right in the middle. Okay, so let's say your uh, heat heat gain calculation tells me I need twenty six thousand four hundred BTUs okay per hour when it's 95 degrees, okay? So that load calculation, I'm sizing to the extreme. I want to maintain 75 in your house when it's 95 degrees out. So the air conditioner is sized for when it's 95. We spend most of the year at temperatures that are below that, okay? 85 degrees, very humid, you want to run the air anyway, okay? So that means your air conditioner during that period of time is oversized. Okay. Oversize means a shorter run time. Hmm. Less runtime means less capacity to extract moisture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Remembering we have to have the air conditioner running in order for it to pull moisture out of the air. Okay. So we're sizing according to that to the worst case scenario, which is 95, 75. Um, and when we do that, uh, we're counting on it doing its job to dehumidify. Okay. I um, oh man, I lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that? <laughs> <laughs> I started drifting down the road. Well, Your the tonnage. idea, yeah, the idea, the, the idea, yeah. The we're selecting, and the and the idea is I'm I'm selecting in one ton increments, right? Mm-hmm. So very seldom. Does a load calculation for a given 1,200 square square foot come out at exactly two tons or exactly three tons, right? Having stated previously, I'm not a risk taker. I'm going to make sure you have the capacity to cool your house, so I'm going to size up rather than size under. You might make a dehumidification sacrifice because it's not going to run quite as much, but it also means, because if I'm dead on on the sizing and the equipment matches the capacity exactly two tons to maintain 75 when it's 95 that means if it gets 96 you're going up one degree inside it's going to get 76 and if you go up two degrees it's going up two degrees in the house now it's going to be very dry because the unit is essentially going to be running continuously hmm. so you don't get too many complaints but even in iowa we don't spend that much time above 95 degrees so it doesn't make sense to size to 100 degrees mm-hmm. though because of that size selection on the equipment you might be able to pull off 98 degrees right. when it's you know pull off 75 degrees when it's 98 which means you're able to pull a 23 degree uh, differential mm-hmm. so critically involved in that is the sizing is to make certain that we can dehumidify now what happens with an air conditioner everybody knows how an air conditioner works whether they know it or not blows cold air inside and if you go out to the air conditioner, it's blowing burning hot air outside. Mm-hmm. So what happens is we're refrigerate or we're sending refrigerant through a coil, just like a radiator on a car. And inside the tubes is running cold refrigerant, and it has aluminum fins that are binding those tubes together. So that gives the the uh, uh, an impact coalescence type thing where the air is passing over the. Uh, the air which has X amount of moisture in it hits that cold surface it gets below dew point that moisture begins to condense on the evaporator coil the evaporator coil which is our cooling coil that moisture then cascades down and goes down the drain that's why your air conditioner needs a because it's pulling that moisture out of the air okay so what's happening while well, all that's going on we're pulling in 75 degree air and it's throwing 55 degree air out into the space that has been dried The moisture's been pulled out via the refrigeration, the air impacting with the cold surface, okay? Then outside, what's happening is you're pulling in, we'll say it's a 90-degree day, you're pulling in 90-degree air into the outdoor coil via the prop fan that everybody knows, and it's rejecting 125-degree air, okay? So it's moving the air outside over the coil, dissipating the heat that it's picked up inside, and we'll talk about when we talk about heat pumps i'll we'll tell you what else is going on mm-hmm. but it's taking the heat that it extracted because moisture in the air is what they call latent heat Right? it took heat to drive the moisture into suspension okay and when we refrigerate the air give it a cold surface to condense on we're extracting that heat back out mm-hmm. so we're picking up the latent heat and then the sensible heat mm-hmm. and what happens again if we get too big of a machine our latent heat capacity goes way down and our sensible cooling capacity goes way up. Hmm. So we're snapping the air temperature down without pulling that much moisture out, Hmm. okay? So sizing the equipment is gonna determine how well the system functions and how well it does its uh, dehumidification function. So if you have a house full of little kids, mom and your little kid, in or out, make a decision. Because every time that door swings open, that moisture—remember we talked earlier—it's moving at twenty-five to fifty feet per second. That, even if the breeze is there's no breeze to push it into the house or out of the house, that moisture is going to migrate from the wet area outside at you know seventy percent relative humidity. It's going to get pushed inside, mm-hmm. right? So that moisture has now come in the house. And then you get into a situation where the air conditioner now has to extract that moisture. So mm. keeping the doors closed is is important. Kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. It's if you and I had talked a little while ago with you know COVID on the COVID on the uh, uh, on everybody's radar, and yeah. you have some people who are, should stay in their lane maybe. Uh, <laughs> I just saw some doctors telling people to run their air conditioners with the windows open, uh. and that would actually that would actually have a, an extremely detrimental effect. Yeah, you're getting the fresh air, but what you're going to do is make the space inside very, very clammy. Hmm. And the clammier the environment, the longer an airborne biologic is going to going to live. Mm-hmm. So, bad idea. Really uh. bad idea. <laughs> and that's I had used the example of. Um, of a uh, restaurant earlier. Yeah. That's the deal. When you swing the door open, you right. because the exhaust fans in the kitchen are pulling in uh, so much, uh, pulling out air. so much air, yeah. and if the makeup air doesn't match it, because that's another thing, when you have an exhaust fan in your house or anywhere, it can only pull out of the house what is making its way back into the house.
0: Yeah.
1: So if they aren't making up enough air in the restaurant, you swing the door open and you feel the huge gasp Mm. of outdoor air come in that's loaded with that moisture and that's why it feels clammy in a lot of restaurants and if it's tight enough maybe your ears pop Mm. that's right (laughs) that's right my wife and
0: i used to go to a burger joint that is just such a small building but they had a huge exhaust system you know Mm -hmm. the kitchens have the size of the of the building itself. Right. You could hardly even walk into the place because there's so much air pressure mm-hmm. working against you and the door. Yeah. Yeah. And you've, you,
1: <laughs> and everybody, that's a common experience. People yeah. notice that that's why the restaurant door is so difficult to open frequently. Yeah. And that's because they're trying to exhaust more air than they're, than they're making up in the kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, which that's a whole different, we could talk about that in case you have any commercial customers some other time. Cause it's <laughs> right. a whole different, it's a whole different critter.
2: Yeah, I, I think the these principles apply. It doesn't care if it's a residential house right. or if it's a commercial restaurant, whatever. All of these principles apply, which is the beauty of all of this. I mean, it it does not matter. Physics that's, Physics applies no matter where we're at, and I think that's
1: what we're trying to get at. Not uh, that's right. Yeah. And and as we were speaking uh, previously, with the idea or fundamentally, it's always been my philosophy is to eliminate the element of magic for people. Mm-hmm. These are all if you know how an air conditioner works and you do, blast hot air outside and cold air inside, mm. it's the exact same concept with a heat pump. There's no there's no magic involved in a heat pump. So simplifying things down to what people already, you know, uh, intuitively understand, right, this these these topics are understandable right you can get involved if you're building if you have a building project you can get involved in these decisions and i would i would uh, say that you need to Mm. so that you are aware even if you even if you defer to the cheapest crappiest system available right at least know what your options are because there is a huge difference in terms of the comfort level because that's fundamentally that's it it's the comfort level is my house comfortable in the winter when it's obscenely cold outside is it comfortable when it's beastly outside in the summer you know these are knowable things i guess is what i'm saying
0: yeah to that point that makes me wonder i mean you've been in this business a long time have you seen a progression of people's need for fine-tuning that comfort over the years you know and has that been met with equipment and-
1: well you remember we were talking about the inadequacies prior to 1985 mm-hmm. okay and the issue of 82 degrees upstairs with a thermostat setting of 70 downstairs in order to be able to sleep at night during the summer okay there was a, a, a design philosophy shift that occurred about that time and has been slowly adopted to pretty much where it's the standard where rather than Doing individual supply runs out to the perimeter of the house, running up the wall, and then coming back into the room, okay? With all that small diameter piping going up there, Everyone has changed to a, a central or dedicated duct that reaches the second floor up in the attic, okay? And then is distributed from the ceiling, Right? Because heating is not typically an issue in a second floor. It's cooling. Mm -hmm. And a a better way to cool is to have overhead distribution because the air has been refrigerated. It's more dense Mm -hmm. and it's going with its gravity gradient and cascading uh, down from the ceiling. You know, everybody knows heat accumulates at the ceiling. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, cooling is going to drop. So, distributing cooling from overhead is ideal. And then in terms of balancing the airflow, cause I've had people, oh, I want a zone system, I want a thermostat on the main floor and I want a thermostat on the second floor and invariably I tell them, let's get a dedicated trunk. Okay. Hmm. A dedicated trunk. So you have a trunk duct, which is your main duct that all the individual little round pipe supply runs go to. Okay. Let's get a dedicated trunk that goes to the attic and then we'll distribute from overhead. Okay, then you'll have uh, dampers in the ductwork so that in the winter time, you can throw a disproportionate amount of air to the main floor, knowing that heat's going to rise and the second floor is going to heat uh, just by virtue of the physics involved there mm-hmm. more easily than the main floor is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you would open the damper wide open for the main floor, manual damper for the main floor, and then on the second floor because we have another dedicated duct. We can choke that airflow in the wintertime so it's not sending quite as much air so you're roasting on the second floor. Mm -hmm. Then in the summertime, you reverse the process. You choke the airflow on the main floor down, okay, and you open the dedicated trunk duct going to the attic. And everybody kind of knows this already because they're trying to do it with their registers, Mm -hmm. trying to choke the damper down in the register. The problem with trying to balance your home, obviously, everybody knows it doesn't work very well. Well, we got it from 83 up here Mm -hmm. down to 81, but it's still kind of warm, okay? Well, if you have a dedicated trunk, then you are going to balance at the source before it's been split up into the small individual heat runs because all of it, once again, it's friction drop. If I have a main, just a main trunk running down the middle of your house and I bring out a six-inch heat run, and then i convert that six inch round pipe to a two and a half by 12 flat duct so it can go up the outside wall then have it elbow back into the house then reconvert back from two and a quarter by twelve or two and a quarter by 12 flat duct to six inch round and then to a boot it's a path of least resistance issue it's going to take the the 12 foot run to the outside wall on the main floor is the path of least resistance. Mm. So by choking registers, essentially what you're going to do is you're going to accelerate the leakage of the duct system rather than diverting. We'll say, I'm going to close this hundred cubic feet of air per minute register on the main floor. I'm going to choke it off and then expect that hundred CFM to be dispersed to elsewhere. That's right. To, to have it wind up as yeah, an extra hundred I'm doing CFM. that. <laughs> yeah. It, it helps a little bit, but it's terrible. But if you have the main trunk ducts, mm-hmm. okay, then you can choke at the source where the pressure is highest and the, mm-hmm. uh, uh, velocity is highest. Okay, without introducing a bunch of extra round pipe that's going to create more pressure drop and less air that's available at the end. And so back to the story, oh, I want a zone system and I persuade people, no, let, let, let us put dampers in here, okay? And maybe the dedicated trunk, because a lot of them, they, they're HVAC professionals. Who were putting in these? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> <laughs> we're putting in these putting in these ducts with no dampers in. them. So you had no means other than at your registers. Okay, mm-hmm. where we've saved people tons of money where it absolutely becomes bearable. Now it's now it's going to be seventy seven on the second floor mm-hmm. and seventy five on the main floor.
2: So you're you're still making a zone system, but the person is the is the thermostat. The, right? That's
1: right. It's the actuator. Right. Is okay. is the person who's doing it? You make and I tell people it's trial and error. You know, but it's worth, if you want to sleep at night in the summer, it's worth the effort for the trial and error. Then you mark the duct and then you make your summer Mm. and winter settings Mm -hmm. and then you change it. And what happens is the only thing that's different with a zone system is you can automatically, because in the previous scenario, if the thermostat's on the main floor, the second floor does have to wait until the main floor needs cooling before it's going to actuate. Okay. So a, a, a zoned system will allow you to have a thermostat on the second floor and the damper will automatically open when it wants cooling and will trigger unit operation. Mm-hmm. So you can just be cooling the second floor or just cooling the main floor or cooling both floors at once now that's the cadillac but this other approach is 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 more affordable and for once again we had talked about how people value these things some are going to go no i want to be able to sleep in 72 degree air and and i want to not have to be messing around with dampers Mm -hmm. i just want that thermostatically controlled and Mm -hmm. it can be done while others will go i am totally happy Mm -hmm. with making that making that seasonal adjustment in the spring and in the fall Mm -hmm.
2: so So, you know i'm going to go back to the skeleton comment that you made and thinking about okay so say the what you called the so-called professionals installed the system and they didn't do the dampers or whatever Mm -hmm. i get i'm kind of just visualizing this all in my head thinking well boy if if that duct doesn't exist i mean how how retrofitable is all of this i guess in, in putting a damper. Can you just go put a damper in a house that didn't have one before?
1: If if that dedicated trunk goes to the second floor. Right. Okay. We can because a lot of times the furnace is in the main floor. You know, it's down in the basement and it's serving just the main floor uh, and and then has the individual runs going up to the second floor. Uh, and the furnace is in the middle of the house. In that case, we could do an east-west just the adapt adaptation of, mm. of dampers. We could keep one side of the house from overheating or undercooling or whatever the condition is by balancing left, right. But if the, we'll say in a situation where the furnace is on one end of the house, there's not much that can be done then right. because of adding the damper, because the damper, what it does is tries to create a, a big pressure drop where path of least resistance, it wants to take, the Mm -hmm. path of least resistance by closing a damper you're creating a lot of resistance so it's going to try to go the other direction Mm. okay high pressure goes to low pressure Mm -hmm. always but in a situation like that let's say they don't have that if they're willing to many times if a person is willing to we can come up through this corner of this room and you'll have to put a a drywall bulkhead or a soffit a vertical soffit around it and then we're going to come up in the closet on the second floor if you're willing to give up those two items and spend the money to have the the at least the exposed ductwork where it's in a living room or sometimes you have yet uh, closets that stack yeah. where all you're doing is giving up the corner of a closet somewhere mm-hmm. okay then we can do that dedicated uh dedicated trunk work mm-hmm. all of it obviously it's fully dependent i mean the increasingly popular if not a given the basements are going to be finished so mm. you know you can have a situation where it's it's you know $3000 to the architect to fix the mess mm. and 1200 to the furnace man <laughs> to actually do the work you know <laughs> but it any any problem can be resolved i mean there are other ways that we could address that problem but that that becomes that rub that i had talked about earlier your cooling load might be 3 tons but your ductwork is only Good for two and a half, and by me putting a three ton on, it is not going to magically fix the inadequate ductwork that serves the second floor.
2: Hmm. Right back to the skeleton and making sure that we're addressing it. Spending on
1: the front end. If you're building new, spending on the front end. Yeah,
2: I'm thinking about the house that we just got done that you guys did the work for, and we it was what early 1900s or 1920s somewhere in there, and I mean there was there was one heat run that went up to the second floor but no return associated to right. it remember so we we routed a dedicated return up there and i mean we spent a little bit of money doing it we we happened to be pulling out a chimney that we could go right back up right. with and right. and we had to jump through some hoops to make it to get the the airflow all the way down to a furnace that was basically directly below it but we were the first comment that we got from the owner after they'd moved in and gotten settled was boy, I, I think it's actually cooler on the second floor than it is on the main level. because Victory! <laughs> right. And and I, I first took the comment as he was... Uh, something was wrong. Right. <laughs> and he's like, this is amazing. I can't believe that, that we actually now have a comfortable space up here. Because it was still hot when we were finishing it up. Right, right. But, so that was totally a victory and, mm-hmm. and there wasn't a lot of money associated to it so. right yeah and that was
1: because there was not much extra money but if if there wasn't a big remodel project uh, already taking place right yeah but my point being is you don't have to live like that you can we can solve the problem and there's a uh, device that we call mini split air conditioners right? right i mean we'll get into those later but that's another means by which you can solve those tough to heat and tough to cool places you know, there are solutions
0: is that your first response to every client that tells you what they want change in their house you just say you don't have to live like that we can solve the problem
1: <laughs> um no but i think i might that, that sounds pretty compelling there yeah. isn't it <laughs> well once again it does it, it's it's that cost benefit analysis right mm-hmm. and the fact that day after day after day after day year after year right you're living with this inadequacy mm-hmm.
2: it wears know. on you
1: well and it can but people have, you know they've just well that's just the way it is oh, second sure, floor yeah. let's get those yeah. get the $17,000 uh, hard hmm? rock countertops <laughs> and the $900 faucet right where well, they just don't, don't even think in terms of that and, I'm, and once again The whole idea, I mean, with the thrust of the entire uh, thing that we're doing here is that, no, there are options and there are solutions, you know, and if you can value it, you know, I mean, I would not be able I would have to have a window unit. If I was, you know, in my upstairs, I would not be sleeping in 82 degree, no matter how dry it is. I'm, I'm just, I would have to have cooling, you know
2: right so yeah what you just said associated to value i mean that's what we're trying to get at in every one of these things design is completely subjective just like comfort yeah you know when when somebody looks at, at what we're trying to accomplish and they may think of an architect as a as a designer and not value that or, or whatever that's what we're trying to we're trying to reach out and understand what a client's value is right and bring all of this together again this complex organism of a building that we call a home and say, you know, how do you how do you live in this in day to day and what is what are the things that you value, where do you yeah, you know, where do you place importance? Yeah. Well, and it,
1: it and it even comes down to if because there is a tendency and it's it's just, it's in all professions, right? Um there are a lot of options out there. You can if your contractor is giving you a one trick pony answer to, or telling you things like, Oh no, you just gotta live with that, right? Get a second opinion, mm-hmm. right? Most of the guys, everyone that I know of, their uh, the the opinions and quotes or estimates, right? That's free. You know, they're willing to do a little bit of footwork to try to make you happy. Mm-hmm. You know, to to uh, get you to trust them. To uh, 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 what do I want to say? I mean, it's prospecting for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and get a second opinion you might have a contractor who's a you know as we were talking earlier about geothermal or it's you can get guys where geothermal that's it and it's a one-trick pony attitude and there there are places where certain options just they aren't the best solution and if your contractor can't think outside the box to try to get you to the place where every room is comfortable right talk to another contractor you know don't be afraid to to get that second opinion <music>
0: For the conclusion of this series, listen to episode three of Avec I.O. Avec I.O. is a production of Avec Design Build, an architect-led design build firm that believes in working alongside every entity involved in a project, as a team, with each other, for the same end goal. Thanks for listening.